there's a lot of trial and error in the way that you can figure out what resonates with somebody and listening to the way that they talk about their their problem, uh, what they're trying to solve, just asking a lot of really good questions can help give you insight into the way that you can then answer a question for somebody before they even have a chance to ask it. Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. A lot of us are business owners by accident. We're so passionate about what we do, and then we realize that we have to figure out things like branding and marketing. And of course, we can't help people who don't buy our services. That's why we wanted to have Melina Palmer on the podcast. She talks about what drives people's buying decisions, and we get nerdy about the psychology of people's behavior and how to use that in our businesses. Why do people say one thing and do another? What really drives their behavior? I'm dying to answer these questions. How does the brain actually work, and how can we best communicate with it? What does that mean for companies? Melina Palmer host of the Brainy Business Podcast, has dedicated her career to seeking answers to these questions for herself and her clients. Melina uses behavioral economics to help everyone from global corporations to entrepreneurs understand the psychology of why people buy, unlocking the secrets of small changes that make a big difference via her podcast, public speaking, and column on Inc.com. So we're super excited to have you here with us. I love geeking out on business and I am notorious for turning off the recording and then dishing out unasked for business advice to everyone who comes on she to does. our podcast. <laughs> I won't do that to you though. Um, so thank you for being here, Melina, and it's great to have you. We always ask our guests just to begin by telling us about who you are why you do what you do, what are your credentials, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so first, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. And, um, you know, for me, my undergraduate degree and the bulk of, you know, sort of beginning of my career was in marketing and brand strategy, things like that. Uh, when I got my undergrad, there was just one section of one course, you know, one book, one little tiny tidbit that was on the psychology of consumer decision-making. And I was fascinated, amazed by it. And I knew in that moment that I wanted to get, you know, a master's in whatever that was and really dig in and that it was going to be this area that I was really interested in. And I spent the better part of a decade calling universities and asking about programs in their business departments. And it didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. They, they didn't have those yet. And so I went about my career was running the marketing department for a $500 million financial institution in the Seattle area and was part of this innovation group uh, that brought in people from across uh, North America. And at one of these sessions, they brought in people from what's called the Center for Advanced Hindsight, which is the behavioral economics department of Duke University. And they were talking about the work they were doing, the research in behavioral economics. And I knew that I had found that thing I had been looking for, for, for 10 years. And so I found a program and got my master's in behavioral economics, which is essentially like I, the way I talk about it is the psychology of why people buy understanding what people will actually do instead of what they say they'll do what you think they should do. You know, I kind of like to say that should is a bad word or one of those mm -hmm. four letter words that yeah, we shouldn't yeah. be uh, using because uh, should is not the way people actually act. And it's not because they're trying to be dishonest. We just don't really understand our brains the way that we uh, could, I guess, uh, and how they actually work. And so that's what I help people to understand in my company through the podcast and public speaking, consulting, just how the brain actually works, how to best communicate with it, 
in personal interactions as well as in business. Amazing. It's so important because we work with um, the, the audience listening to this are doulas and anybody who works with um, any child. I'm like at a loss for words. A prenatal professional is really what I want to say. <laughs> and so, and I, you know, I came from my own background was I was a very successful yoga teacher in Brooklyn for many years in person. And then I brought my business online. And so I, you know, I, I've straddled both in person and online, but I definitely had a lot of growing pains in like exactly what you talk about with the business stuff. And I know a lot of doulas and uh, prenatal professionals are great at being a doula, but they're not great at getting clients. What I know we only have, you know, an hour, but I'd, I'd love to know like, what, what is the remedy? What is, what is like, what are the top five things? Yeah. So to do one of the things that I know we were talking about this before we jumped onto the, to the call, but you know, I work with people in all sorts of industries, everything from large global corporations to solopreneurs, people starting their first businesses, you know, and everything in between. And whether it's veterinarians, doulas, accountants, you know, people have a thing that they're passionate about and that they're excited about. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're really good at talking about whatever that thing is to anybody else in a way that gets them excited. And our own style, the way that we communicate, it may feel like that's how everyone else works because we have biases in our own brains into uh, thinking that we are the you know smarter and we communicate better than everybody else and that they must get, be able to get it and understand it in the same that we do, way that we do. And that's often not really the case. So one of the most important things that I think people need to understand when it comes to this brain communication is, like I said, understanding how the brain actually works. So if you just take a second, both of you, as well as, you know, for the audience that's listening and think about what your brain actually does. Anything, if you actually took the time to think about it, maybe you let your mind wander because that's what our brains do. They're pretty lazy. And you thought, ah, she's going to tell me in a minute. So I don't need to think about it right now. (laughs) Um, But what, anything you could have thought about when you're thinking about thinking or you're aware of the act of thinking, that's your conscious brain, your cognizant space where you're actually uh, thinking about thinking, like I said. And then there is this subconscious part, which you've heard about, you know, exists, but, um, you don't really think about that much because you can't really relate to what it is. And so just to ask the question now is, you know, what percentage of your brain's processing do you think is done in that subconscious space? You say 25, 50, 75%. I mean, I assume it's a lot. So one of the things that I used to do is basically teach people how to use the power of their subconscious brain to, Mm believe that their birth didn't have to be horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same yeah. idea, but not towards business, right? Just using and, the power right. of that brain. And a big yeah. thing that I teach people is that if their belief systems don't align with their desires, they won't be healed. A lot of my clients have um, really serious injuries to their pelvic floor and core yeah. postpartum. And the ones who I see are not healing are the ones who uh, deep down, not, not so Don't deep. Don't believe they can. They do not believe that they can. So what their desires and their inner voice are saying are not in alignment. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so totally in line with everything that you're talking about. And just as like an aside bef- to point on that before I come back to what the actual number is. <laughs> is <laughs> so I was in, I was in a bad car accident six and a half years ago now and to where I was, um, had been running like 20 miles a week before that. And then, you know, was told by doctors, like get a new dream. You're never going to run again, all these things. And where they talk about that, like victim mentality, and especially where people get better once you get on the other side of the lawsuit and these sorts of things where you don't have to be in that mindset of I'm a victim of this thing that happened to me and it can definitely change behavior for sure is very much uh, lined up with some of that. And I am training for a half marathon right now. So, you know, on the other side. Um, So the, um, the highest study that I've seen on this subconscious brain question puts it at (laughs) 99.999%. So 99.99% recap that of go back to the question. 
Yeah. So 99.999% of your brain's decision-making and things that it's doing at any given time is done by your subconscious, which would mean that only 0.001 of what you're doing is done on a conscious cognizant level where you're aware of what your brain is doing. And, you know, the lowest studies really put that at 95%. Um, And so even if you're, I like to use the easy numbers and say 99, just a a basic 99% of your brain is done on a subconscious level. So that's all the things it's doing that you don't understand. And the person that you're communicating with doesn't know either. And the problem is it's like your subconscious is, um, I like to say it's like the receptionist or a gatekeeper. It's filtering all the information around to decide what gets to the conscious level of being important. And so it can do 11 million bits of information per second compared to only 40 that the conscious brain can actually handle at any given time. And And that's kind of like why if you walk into a room and it smells like banana bread, three seconds later, that smell is still there, but your brain has filtered it out. Like you're not smelling it for the full hour that you're in the room, right? It's the same exact, your brain's filtration. Yeah. So your brain is taking all these things in and deciding what's important enough to make it to the conscious that validates its belief systems and all these different things. And then that can also be impacting, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone and what you think is important versus the way, and you consciously thought, I'm going to say it this way and that should matter to them. Mm -hmm. But it's their subconscious that's deciding what's important and sense all these other, uh, our senses definitely dictate a lot of uh, the behaviors and the actions and the things that we're doing in any of our, our conversations. And you're somebody who is, you know, pregnant, scared about delivery, you know, having all these fears and things, their brain is overwhelmed with all of these decisions that they're having to make. And their conscious brain is essentially going to be really bogged down with these fears and things where that rational brain is occupied. And so the subconscious is really running rampant and can essentially be making some bad decisions. And all those shoulds kind of go out the window unless you can properly communicate with the subconscious on the level that it's ready to take in and understand information. Okay. Speak English now with an example. How about that? (laughs) That was a lot of, my brain was ping-ponging following that. So So I'd love an actual, yeah. Yeah. So a study that I really love for this that I think is a great example is that there were people that were asked, half of the room was given a sheet of paper with seven digits to remember. And the other half was given a sheet of paper with a two digit number that they had to remember as they went through a series of tasks. Um, And one of those things was that they chose their snack. And then at the end, they had to tell somebody what number they were trying to remember. And for all of us people logically on this conscious level, we would think, you know, remembering five more digits isn't that big of a deal. It's It's a phone number. You know, we retain that information all the time. But what they found is those who were remembering the two-digit number were much more likely to choose fruit salad as their snack. And those remembering the seven-digit number were much more likely to choose chocolate cake, (laughs) especially when you could see it, whether it was in a picture or it was actually sitting there on the counter and you could see this piece of cake. And so what happens is your your conscious brain is bogged down with those extra five digits where you're kind of saying one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And subconscious is able to say, yes, I like cake. I want that. And it then makes a decision for you that that's what you're going to be choosing because your conscious brain is busy doing something else. This is also people who are struggling financially make worse decisions in the rest of their life because their brain is thinking about, you know, you're constantly running through lists of if you have enough money to make the bills this month and if you're going to have enough for milk or if you can get new cleats for for Johnny or whatever that happens to be. And so that takes it to where that rational thinking can't be um, doing what it what people would hope that they can do and they tend to make worse decisions. Yeah, there was a whole story. This is so dark. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but they did a whole study on this concept of why people leave their babies in the car accidentally. Mm. And they know, and it basically chalked up to exactly that. The brain 
was overloaded and unable yeah. to make a rush. Like they did this huge study. It was insane. Anyway. Wow. Well, so, so this makes perfect sense for the pregnant person. The pregnant person is overwhelmed. They have to pick a pediatrician, where to give birth. They're have worried about their core. They're worried about, there's just a lot of stuff. So how can a prenatal professional speak? Like, how can we get in front of them? How can we get them to spend their money on us? and our yeah. services or our programs. So this is where it's really important to think about what's, what is keeping them up at night and how can you properly frame mm-hmm. your message to mm-hmm. speak to that need and desire. So when we're thinking about our own businesses and services, you might say, well, we're much more affordable than the person down the street and I'm available at 24 hours a day because blah, 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 right? And you go through the whole list and that's a bunch of benefits that someone can't actively take in. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you frame the message in a way that shows the benefit to them, I love to give this example of Jake from State Farm, uh, the commercial where the person's on the phone at three o'clock in the morning and the guy says he's wearing khakis. Like This is a way of showing that at three o'clock in the morning when you're up, you can call State Farm and there's someone there in the call center. That is showcasing the benefit of a feature of 24-hour availability, but in a way that our brain can understand and get that that's useful to me as a person of something that I can be taking advantage of. And so being able to frame, like boil down to one benefit, one reason why you're the best choice to make it easy for someone to make that decision is what uh, is really helpful in this case. And an example for framing would be when you go to the grocery store, you know, or now when you're buying groceries online or whatever, (laughs) but if there was a, you know, say there's a stack of ground beef that's labeled as 90% fat free, and there's a stack next to it that's labeled as 10% fat, which one Mm. do you want? You Everybody wants the 90% fat-free, 10% fat sounds terrible and gross, but they're exactly the same thing, but your brain hears them in a completely different way. So if you can find the language that someone is using in what's keeping them up at night and showing how you solve that problem, that is a way that you can frame it that they're ready to take an action and move forward. Right. So yeah, it's so simple, but it's, it's not simple because I think a lot of people know they frame the benefits so the doula or the yoga teacher frames the benefits according to what they believe the benefit should be right not according to what the actual pain point of their client is and i think that's a big i think that's a big mistake that a lot of um online businesses make but is it really that simple melina is it that's it just figuring out what they want (laughs) and framing it i mean done uh (laughs) <laughs> no, right. <laughs> but that, that is a very, where knowing that the brain is very complex, there are a lot of different things that are going on at mm-hmm. any given time. Making even that subtle shift can be important in having better communication with the person on the other side. So understanding their brain is overwhelmed. So the subconscious is ready to be taking choices. And if you can frame your message to where it's in the way that they're ready to take action, that can already put you leaps and bounds ahead of your competitors in the way that you would be communicating about yourself, both in the way that you're getting someone to, once they have hired you, you know, that they're going to adopt and understand your message, your, your methods and what you're trying to encourage them to take action on, um, you know, the way that you communicate with them, even when you're not exchanging money is important in them feeling good about, you know, your services and things as well. Um, so what are some wording mistakes? So we're talking about how we're framing things to people. Are there mistakes that you see a lot of businesses make in how they are like giving their message to their people? Yes. And I actually have an episode all about that, um, which is number two on my podcast, but I've kind of broken that into five categories of things that people do. They tend to be uh, boring, which is kind of that features benefits space. Yeah. When if you're just listing out features, it's very yeah. boring for people. Yeah. Um, but also you can be too vague. So this is that, uh, where framing comes in on some of that as well, but there's, um, 
another really interesting way to use numbers in that it can set, you know, anchors for people is what it's called in the field. But if there was a grocery store study, they had these end cap displays and half of the people saw one that said Snickers bars, buy them for your freezer. And the other half says Snickers bars buy 18 for your freezer (laughs) of which as the, I mean, you laugh because it's ridiculous, right? And as the person creating that sign, you would say, "Um, do I really want to put 18? Someone's going to ask how I came up with this arbitrary number and I don't want to be accountable to that and them is unlimited, blah, blah, blah. That's your conscious brain trying to uh, soothe the subconscious fears about putting that message out. But what the actual difference ended up being was there was a 38% increase in sales when the number 18 was used instead of the word them on those signs and everything else was exactly the same. And the reason is because 18 is going to get past your subconscious filter uh, in a way that you kind of go, wait, are we buying Snickers wrong? Like, what's this about? Right. It seems (laughs) like something is different. I don't have a rule for that. I'm not sure how to handle this. And where them, you know, is kind of a fancy way of saying zero, nothing that you're going to be getting in this case. And 18, you know, you say, oh, well, I'm, I'm much better than everybody else. I don't need 18. I'll just get six where you might've gotten, you know, one in the other scenario, if you even bought anything. And so putting out some of those numbers and knowing, you know, for your services, I'll use the, like, if you were doing, whether it's, you know, a prenatal yoga package or something along those lines, or even, you know, after the fact yoga studio, whatever, instead of trying to get people to come in for one session or, uh, you know, once a week, you know, if you have, if you lead with that, you have 12 month offerings that are available, or you can come in, if you come in three days a week, you get such and such people, when you set this bar high, then they work their way down. Uh, Whereas if you start low and work your way up, it's difficult for people to get to this new uh, sort of a a number of investment. This is also why when you go to the store, they have very expensive, maybe there's a $5,000 TV at the front and then you get to the back and there are $2,500 TVs. Those feel much more reasonably priced by comparison because your brain saw that $5,000 number on the (laughs) way in. Whereas if there was a $1,200 TV at the front and then it was $2,500 when you get to the back, you think, ugh, that's, that's hugely expensive. What's wrong with this television? And you're going to get something that is less expensive. So when you think about the way that you're pricing your services, that you're talking about them, you want to have at least two options. One that is a high number. I like to call that your decoy. And it also sets this mm. high anchor. And even if that is just a bundle to say, instead of you having me for one month, you know, there's this three month option. And we also have these as, you know, drop-ins once a week or something, but you can show this comparison point to make the other thing feel like it's a better value. I like to say that that decoy is like the wingman of the thing you're actually trying to sell. Its entire job is to make the other item look as good as possible. That's so fascinating. That is brilliant. <laughs> I, and, and it actually played out in my, it plays out in my business. When I was doing a lot more in-person work, I'd have the, you know, the one-off session. I'd have the four-pack, the six-pack, the 12-pack. And I always sold those four and six-packs. Those were, I mean, every once in a while you'd sell the big one, but people always chose that middle option. And I never realized that was probably why. Well, and so when you were talking about them, did you start by talking about the 12 pack or the four? You know, I don't know what I did. I don't think that I talked about the 12 pack. So I probably did that wrong, but it was always evident, you know, when I'm sending them my, here's the options, you know, I framed all of them, but if I had to do it again, I probably would have led with the 12 pack because that maybe would have made more people, more people will pick six. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But 100% that is, that is how that works. So wait, and so what is your recommendation? The recommendation is you would always start high. And so I'm going to walk through this in the way that most people do it and talk about this and what I see across industries and then what the recommendation is. So most people, when they would be presenting, just using this four, six, and 12 pack of where I don't know what it is and that doesn't matter because yeah. it's the same, right? So you would say, 
Oh, it's so great to hear that you're interested. You know, we have a couple of options. There's a, a four pack that's available. And, you know, we also have these six and, and some even bigger ones too. If you're thinking about making, you know, a longer term investment, that's, a, that's an option for you. You know, some people go that way and, but you know, we have, you know, four is really common and, you know, a lot of people, that's a great starter sure. package, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And you just keep that's going. That's for sure what I did. That's yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so you're talking them into this smaller option. So the other way that you could do this and what I recommend for my clients and everybody in the world is instead, if you say, oh, that's so great. We have this 12 pack option, which is a really great value. You get a, you know, whatever this discount is when you buy in bulk. There are also six packs, which tend to be the most popular choice. And there are also smaller available or, and you don't even have to say that the six is the most popular, but in this case, that's assuming that's the one that you want to sell. But if you say, and then you can, you follow up with, which sounds like the best fit for you, which would you like to move forward with? You have to extend that offer for them to make a choice and then they're going to go from there. But in the first case, six felt like a really big number compared to four, because that's where you started. And where if you confidently say, there are 12 packs available. They are a fantastic value. Also have six packs and even smaller than that if you wanted to talk about that as an option. But um, you know, what sounds like it might be a fit for your situation? Don't people, isn't there a psychology around if you spend more, you must be getting more? Um, yes. And so there have been studies that have been done this. Uh, so the brain gets what it expects. And so people who were told that the pain reliever that they're taking was that the pill was, you know, $1 and 25 cents per pill felt that it worked better than those who were told it was a pill with a value of 10 cents, mm-hmm. even though they were both placebos. Uh, and similarly, the, and, and in that case, in that study, they were being, they were receiving a series of electric shocks. So they were actually oh, getting some, some pain right? wow. um, in line with that. That's not, I'm glad I wasn't, you know, in those types of studies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, also where you serve the exact same coffee at a um, little stand. And in one case, it's styrofoam cups and it looks kind of like it's a bit of a mess. And then in the other case, you have them in um, ceramic mugs and you can choose to add nutmeg and cinnamon and these other add-ons that are available that are a little bit higher end where the coffee's exactly the same. And in the case of the study, they people didn't actually use the nutmeg and cinnamon, uh, but that it was there made them feel like it was more important. And people were willing to pay more and wanted the coffee in the ceramic mug scenario, even though again, it's exactly the same coffee in both cases. Um, so, oh, go ahead. No. So you concur, do you concur that higher pricing is then like, what do you do with that information? How do you? Yeah. So people, people do, there are opportunities, of course, to be a discount provider in in the world. That's a choice that every business owner has to make, but you shouldn't feel like you have to be the discount because that's your only way in. In many cases, people work harder when they've invested more and they are more likely to get a higher amount of value out of working with somebody when they are spending more money. It is it can be a difficult choice for businesses to, especially when you're the owner and this is where you start to have this um, imposter syndrome of, but I'm not as good as so-and-so and and I haven't been in it as long as them and whatnot. This, this is where that uh, confidently speaking to yourself and tackling your own mindset around your business and knowing that you are great at what you do. People hire you for a reason. You are bringing great value and you're worth it and getting to the term of that for yourself. And this is where you need to be able to talk about those prices, whatever they happen to be, as if you're talking about the weather or the time of day and not in that hesitant, oh, well, you know, it's such and such. And if that's difficult, I totally understand. And um, offering discounts as a crutch and things like that. So even if you have to go around and practice with people and sort of in your own mind to say, this service, people pay me $100 an hour, $1,000 an hour, $5,000 an hour. I'm worth $5,000 an hour, whatever that is, to get your brain on top of accepting that 
to where then the actual numbers that you're able to say feel very reasonable by comparison. Yeah. And I noticed when I was so busy as a doula, I was like, well, I'll just increase. See, I've, I've discovered this all kind of by accident. I'll just increase my price because then not as many people will hire me because I'm too expensive. And the funny thing is I increased, (laughs) it didn't happen at all. I increased my price. Wow. She must be amazing. And yes, I am amazing, but like, not just because I'm more expensive, I increased my price and I had triple the inquiries. It was insane. It was so fascinating. And I don't think, especially birth workers, I don't think we realize that. I don't think we value our services enough. Right. Well, and that also gets into this piece of scarcity. And so being that you are a limited commodity and your time is limited, right. you, know, you can only help a certain number of people at a time as a single person. And that's where, you know, maybe you can, t- whether you can take on two moms at, or, you know, people that are scheduled to be giving birth in this week or month or whatever. I don't know exactly how the, all that works, but you have whatever your numbers are. Yeah. And so then if you go, like for me on my scheduling software, when people go to book an appointment, if it was said that, you know, I, you know, it's difficult to get time with me and then you go in and there are 85 appointments every single day, you <laughs> kind of go, eh, like... <laughs> Maybe yeah. not, right? Yeah. She's not that busy. And so for people, even if you're just starting out, um, you know, I make that advice of say, this is the day, maybe like Thursdays are the days that people can book discovery type of calls, inquiries and things with me. And they go and they see, oh, wow. And, and I'm only going to book it for these four hours of a block to make sure there's a limited number of time. And then you go and you see, oh, there are only three appointments this week. And then I have to wait until next week. It helps the brain to feel like you want to take an action now. And instead of waiting when, oh, I could do that at any time is a very different scenario. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. So um, in the list of questions that, uh, you know, we saw that you suggested some questions, which I think are brilliant. Uh, One of them is what is the one word that increased sales by 38%? And what is the concept at play? And of course, I was like, "What is that word?" Wait, didn't didn't she say? I, I, I swear, you said it wasn't you the did? Snickers. It, it was, was the Snickers. It was, and so that was oh, so the, the eighteen. Okay. Yeah, uh, you. But see, this shows the framing piece, right? That's creating curiosity and making you want to ask that question and saying, "If if instead, I've actually been doing a lot of work with uh, one of my groups right now. We're talking about lead magnets and good subject lines and drip campaigns and ways to make people." excited and interested in wanting to do business with you. And the difference between if, uh, you know, if the subject that, that line item there, which very easily could have been a subject line on an email or something in a social post, if it says anchoring and adjustment is likely to increase sales by up to 38%, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's boring. I don't care about that. Um, and so if instead this one word increased sales by 38%. And actually I wrote an article on that and it was very, very popular for this uh, particular outlet. It was one of their most read posts of the entire year. And that frame where you go, well, what is it? I want to know more about that. And so when you think about as um, in your own business, if whether you're sending again, emails to a list or you're making, you're putting out ads on Facebook or whatever it happens to be. If you instead have those say the one thing that people uh, mess up on before in their pre-birth prep, um, don't do this one thing that will create curiosity that someone's then going to take the next step. And that is one of these other really important things for people to understand is when you're in the business, you're really passionate about what you do. You know, everything that you do, this person could possibly do. And you see the light at the end of their tunnel. But if you're trying to throw all of that information at them at the beginning, 
it, they'll, their brain will get overwhelmed. They shut down. They don't want to deal with that right now. Your job in anything that you're putting out at any given time is that you want to think about what is the smallest step that I'm trying to get them to do in this moment. So when they see the Facebook ad, is it even just for them to stop scrolling and click see more? or to watch the video for a half a second? Is it to then, and once they've stopped scrolling, then you want them to click read more. And once they've clicked read more, is that you want them to click to go to your website, right? So if you think about it in those tiny steps and break it into how you can make each one of those to where it's very clear that this is your next step in the process, that makes it easier for people to then do business with you. I feel like um, I love playing devil's advocate. So I feel like as someone who's been online for five years and I've taken all the courses, the Marie Forleo's and all those people and bought them all, did them all, blah, blah. I feel like one of the things that is a huge turnoff to me is being able to spot a salesman a thousand miles away. And now, and it was so funny, my girlfriend and I almost started and she's a money mindset coach and she's amazing. But we almost started a podcast called On the Cutting Edge of Nothing Certified by No One because we were so (laughs) sick and tired of, you can see the click funnels a miles away. You can see the drip. You know, it's like, you know what your next email is going to be is going to be one of these. And I'm really just playing devil's advocate. So I'm not coming down on you. I think you're brilliant. But and we have a sales you know, funnel. So it's, yeah, I, we funnel. have a sales funnel and we even hired one of like the best marketing teams to help us with it. So we get it. And um, I cringed when they sent us back my 12, our 12 email sales funnel, oh every gosh. single subject title, I cringed because I was like, that's not, that is not how I talk. Yes, right. I'm not going to talk like, I'm not going to give the boring headline like, um, you know, whatever. I do want to make it sound alluring and for people to open and for people to click. But I also think there's there's also like a pretty, I don't know if, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are hip to all of this by now, right? I mean, I don't know what yes. I'm asking. I'm, like how do you, I, I think, think I'm, it's, I think it's Lauren's trying to say like, how do you stay authentic, genuine and authentic? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And so that is a, a balancing act and a, there's a huge art to being able to do that in a way that works for, for you and your business. And I 100% agree with you. I get those all the time and mm-hmm. I'm sure for, you know, you all have a podcast. I have a podcast. How many terribly constructed pitch emails do you get of people trying to say someone's going to be a great guest for your podcast and they've obviously never listened to it, don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And this person is not at all a fit and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And we see those on LinkedIn and everywhere else. It is very, very easy to spot when someone is a spammy, inauthentic person. I actually just got something today that was like, Hey, I'm such a huge fan of your podcast and I love everything you're doing. And I read all blah, blah, blah. And then at the bottom, it had an unsubscribe option on their email. Right. <laughs> so oh obviously, God. yeah, God. right. I know. Ridiculous. And I had right. never subscribed to this list and promptly unsubscribed myself. <laughs> but the, the thing here, my best advice is when you think about your own self and what, what are the things that you like to click on? What makes you stop? And what is the value add that you can be giving to the person on the other side? And being as generous with what you're putting out there and knowing what's really going to be a benefit for this person where they will feel good by making this next step. And that's where I have tons and tons of freebies that I give out from my podcast and things like that. And But if they're framed in a way, just with that same example of the anchoring and adjustment, if my email comes out and says, anchoring and adjustment is a critical, important, (laughs) blah, 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 nobody's going to ever read it, but it's finding the way to say it in in a way that that person knows it's important to them and that they should take whatever that next step. And this is, you know, the best articles will never be written if they have terrible subject lines. So it's just finding the walking that line between what is helping them to decide that they want to open it and take that next step without being clickbait and gross. 
yeah, that's the, yeah. <laughs> if that answers sort of what you're yeah, yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. I think a lot of birth professionals or any professional, anything that you're really into and really obsessed with and really close to, you think everybody else is the same. Mm-hmm. So I could speak to my birth business and go really deep into things that no one else cares about. Right. <laughs> like, absolutely. They want to get the baby. They want to get the baby out of their vagina, but they don't <laughs> care about and you know anything else. Right. And 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 you kind of like la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything else of what you're talking about. That's, yeah. So for an example of like I said, I um work have done a lot of work with financial institutions and whether it's banks, credit unions, they really love to talk about rate. Mm-hmm. Rate is something that they all get and mm-hmm. think people should understand, but it means nothing yes. to the actual person that's hearing the information. And so there was a, a credit union I was helping working on one of their marketing campaigns um, and advising them on. And they were super excited that they were ready for this billboard that they were going to make uh, on their new checking account. And the headline they wanted for their entire campaign was going to be, APY on up to $25,000 in balances. And like, that was the thing. And they knew this was a great deal, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, no, like, please don't do that. And instead I had, this is the shifting the frame of taking it from the rate, which means nothing to the person reading it and reframed the numbers and had them put instead the question, did your checking account pay you $315 last year? And that was what was on all their ads and everywhere that they put it out there. And they had a 60% month over month growth in checking accounts after that launched, which is ridiculously huge for a financial institution. And so learning to keep it simple is so important. Right. And in a way that I get, right. And so knowing that everybody's got their own jargon. And so you have to do your best to, there's a lot of trial and error in the way that you can figure out what resonates with somebody and listening to the way that they talk about their, their problem, uh, what they're trying to solve, just asking a lot of really good questions can help give you insight into the way that you can then answer a question for somebody before they even have a chance to ask it. I've noticed when I post things on Instagram or Facebook or any social media, I try to see which, which are landing, which of the posts do people interact with? Are people interested in? And then maybe I make this one on intra-abdominal pressure and everyone's like, well, what's intra-abdominal pressure? And to me, it's like, oh, that's so amazing. We all should know about this. But the pregnant person's like, whatever. Exactly. I don't care. (laughs) Right. So it's been a lot of trial and error that way. That's as opposed to writing it called how to prevent, how to prevent an injury to your core muscles, which is more people might be, or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like exactly. Which is where the whole messaging, this is where it gets borderline though. So I'm really a stickler for being a, a marketer with integrity. Mm -hmm. And so I don't use shaming. I don't use body shaming. I yeah. don't use, and I can, but I don't. Before and, and afters? Complete, we don't do before and I'm, afters? I don't allow before and afters. Um, my gym, uh, which now I'm not sure will be my gym anymore after this, but the owner posted yesterday, um, we know it was, his post was, we know that the obese and the unfit are the ones who are dying. Now what Ooh. are you going to do next? Ooh. And it was so revolting. And but I also realized like he had no idea how revolting his message was and how shaming and how judgmental and not accurate. Let's just talk about how not accurate that is. And, but he only knows, he only knows how to live in toxic diet culture. He doesn't know how to, you know, so, but it, it was, I, I don't want to be that person ever. I never talk about weight and, and I never talk about, you know, so, and I think that, you can make a lot more sales when you do talk about, I'm going to help you get thin and I'm going to help look at the before and afters. I think they're. But do before and afters sell? Here's my question. That's what I'm saying. They do. Shame can sell before and afters sell. So like, what's the balance here? What's the best way to trigger the subconscious brain without being negative? Like, how do we do that? Yeah. So there are. Um, a lot of different things to be trying. And, you know, this is where 
in the same of what you're saying, you know, every business needs to decide what their path is and the things that they're willing to compromise on and not. And I very much understand what you're saying as someone who's, you know, struggled with weight my whole life. Like I don't feel like anything that's shaming. I kind of go meh. Like I'm not, you know, not interested in, in that. And so what you kind of just know here is, um, and actually there's a really great book, um, by a guy named Will Leach. I interviewed him on my podcast and his book is called marketing to mind states. And it's Mm -hmm. in this sort of same vein, but he talks about the goal that someone's trying to accomplish and understanding the motivation behind the goal. And then if they're coming at it from a positive or a negative space. And so he talks about the, if you have somebody who's actually looking to lose weight and it's a man in his, uh, you know, forties or fifties or something along those lines, and he's wanting to lose weight so that he can walk his daughter down the aisle and like, look good, feel good, or live to that point or whatever that happens to be. And so they have, it could be two different men. They have the same goal and the motivation is this like nurturing mindset that that's what it, what's important to them. But the way that you communicate that there's a, there's a group of people that this avoiding the negative mentality of not dying and not having your daughter be sad that you weren't there. And then the others are in this positive sort of a mentality of this, um, the joy of being there for her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that you then frame of don't miss workouts versus get pumped up for tomorrow's workout. And it just, it speaks to a different client. So in any business and anything that you're talking about, understanding you're never going to be the right solution for everyone that's out there. And even though you want everybody to be able to have this positive mindset, you don't get to control the way that other people receive information and what makes them want to take an action Mm -hmm. and understanding that for some of those people out there, and maybe, you know, if there are 10 people who could buy from you and five are always going to go in this other direction and they're not your people and that's okay. You can just focus on the people that you can best serve that are going to get the best value from you and your style and what you're about. And they're going to really get it. And then they're positive testimonials for you. And they're happy with the information they got and their referral partners and they love you. And there are other people that negative space doesn't have to be bad. You know, knowing that that's a way that motivates half of the population and that's okay. And that's how they're going to get to the way that they're going to get down the line. And they will probably never be motivated by this positive mindset just because they're not wired in that way. So first is, you know, knowing that's okay. And, and that you don't have to be gross about it in either side. And that's, you know, hopefully every business kind of takes that, uh, that vein. Uh, but people are just motivated in different ways. And so you're speaking to your people and you're trying to make them as happy as possible. And if people aren't a fit, then you can bless and release and send them, them away and know it's not about you. I love that. Yeah. I love the idea of bless and release. Of course you can't. Yes. This is, it's so logical and intelligent. (laughs) Like I'm like, yeah, obviously Um, (laughs) we don't have served the same community, me and my gym owner. (laughs) Yeah, really not. Yeah, that's okay. But you know, it also sounds like you're saying step one, or I don't know about step one, but a main step is to figure it to figure out the framing, but also then to make sure that your branding really aligns with that framing, right? So you can't have mixed messages, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you want to know who, what you're about, what you're there to be doing, what the goals are, and know who you are and have that really live through everything you do. One of the ways that I talk about this is the difference between marketing and branding. And I see marketing as being a very reactive space. This is somebody asks for a brochure. Oh my gosh, I need to do this thing. Oh, I need to do an ad. I need to do this. And you're kind of one-offing and you're very short-sighted on, I need this, I need that, I need this. The brand strategy is much more holistic and you're looking out and saying, this is what I'm about. This is what we are. You define Mm -hmm. the types of words you use, um, the way that you message things and you have the long form and the short form. And then when opportunities come up, you can very quickly say, that's not for me. That's not how that doesn't align with my business and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not how, how we work. I don't need to advertise on shopping carts or I don't need to do 
whatever this other thing is, because you know, it's not you. Um, but when you're able to think about it, you, you have to, and for many people, it's like forcing yourself to sit down and think about your business on this bigger level. We talk a lot. Uh, I do a lot of work with small business owners and there's this difference between working in your business and working on your business and knowing that you are the CEO of your company even if it's just you and somebody needs to be doing that CEO work to help your business to grow. So you need to be able to sit down and dedicate that time. Even if it's once a quarter that you have to take a day and do that work or once a month or whatever you can afford. And you you just have to be planning things out to make sure that you're successful. That is really good. Someone has to be at the helm. Absolutely. And cohesive business is a successful business. I know you have a hard stop. I want to respect that. Where can our listeners find more of your amazing offerings? Tell us more. Yeah. So just the, the brainy business is the name of the company in the podcast that you could search for the brainy business, wherever you listen to podcasts and find that there, or go to the brainy And there's information on courses that I offer and all the podcast episodes are there and all those freebies that I was talking about. I think I have 50 or 60 of them now. There's, there's lots of stuff I give away. So it's all available there through the website. Amazing. It was very, very enlightening talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.